0: I'm going to give you a little prelude to this podcast. I'm still experimenting with sound. So you're going to hear a little bit of popping. You're going to hear a little bit of airflow not going the way I like it to go. I'm working on that. In fact, thanks to my friends in the analytics department here at George Fox, I've got a Blue Yeti microphone. That's going to be for the next podcast. So, I want you to know, I'm learning, I'm experimenting, I am taking the feedback, and I'm making alterations, and I'm getting better. Enjoy the podcast. This is The Future State Project with me, Rob Westervelt. Episode 2 Only two things produce results. You heard me say in the last podcast, and I was really surprised to hear, even kids are listening to the podcast. Shout out to you kids. You're way ahead of the game. So I'm going to drop you a little knowledge. Now, I mentioned in the last podcast that there are only two things that produce results in business and that is innovation and marketing. Innovation creates solutions and I talked about that in a video that I just dropped yesterday. Janet Heron created a solution, a creative solution to a problem. And then the second one is marketing. Marketing creates customers. Those are the only two functions that produce results. Now, I talked about in the last podcast as well that people tend to not think of themselves as innovators or marketers. In fact, people have – some people, not everybody, but some people have a bit of a disdain for marketing. Now, I've spent the last two decades in higher education, and I can tell you that the first decade, a little over a decade, I was really experiencing the anti-marketing vibe. But here's what I've learned. The world has changed. People are changing. They're waking up to the fact that everybody, to some degree, Is a marketer. Now, maybe you are a faculty member. Maybe you're a parent. And you think, well, you know, I'm not a marketer. You're wrong. You are a marketer. You are going to sell an idea to your students, to your children. Children, you're going to sell an idea to your parents. That whole process of selling, that's called marketing. That's just one aspect, though. See, marketing has a couple of functions, and I'm just jumping into this. But I want to—I really want to connect with those who don't see themselves as marketing. And maybe before I jump into this too far, I'm going to make a distinction. See, there is good marketing and there is bad marketing. Now, good marketing... Helps people make good distinctions so that they can make better choices. Bad marketing does the opposite. Okay, so you've probably run into bad marketing. It's that person who's trying to sell you something you don't need or is trying to tell you it does something it doesn't do. Our world is full of bad marketing, which is why we need good marketing and good marketers. But I digress. So why is marketing important? Well, I'll tell you why. Number one, marketing is about changing beliefs. And it's also about changing behavior. So when you think about obstacles, obstacles that are in front of you, obstacles that are sort of presenting themselves from You getting what you need to get. To change that behavior, you need to change. Well, oftentimes, those obstacles are going to be related to beliefs or, let's say, behaviors. They're not doing what you need them to do. You're going to deploy marketing. But before that happens, or I should say at the beginning of the marketing phase, When you really want to get into the matrix of marketing, you know, it's pretty simple. I think I had a video. In fact, I'm pretty sure I did a video on this. And uh, you can catch that at robw.co. But I'll tell you right now. It's not about people's rational beliefs. It's, It's not. It's about how people feel. It's about how they relate to you, to your brand. Because people are relational more than rational. Now, how people feel about you, your product, or your organization, that makes all of the difference in the world. But those beliefs are what's critical, right? Because beliefs will inform those Feelings. So, how do we change those beliefs? Well, there's a little tool. It's called branding, and I like to. I, I talk uh, a lot to business students, to doctor of physical therapy students about this whole thing, because physical therapy students in our program at George Fox University, which is a stellar program, those guys are sole proprietors. And they've got to learn about this stuff. So when we talk about branding, really, here's what we're talking about. Here's a shortcut I like to give folks. And that is this. Think of the term categorization. Okay? Categorization is simply how we make sense of our world. You categorize things. You categorize things in ways that make sense to you. Now... That's essentially what branding is. You are categorizing yourself or your idea, your product or your brand for people. Now, to kind of demonstrate this, think about when you hear somebody say, you know, I just can't figure that person out. What what are they really saying when they say, I just can't figure that person out? I'll tell you what they're saying. They're saying that that person makes me feel uncomfortable because I cannot categorize them in a way that I can understand. So there's some tension there. I feel uncomfortable with that person. Well, that's the same thing with any brand, be it a personal brand, a product brand, or an organizational brand. If people can't figure figure you out, well, guess what? They can't buy what you're selling. Now, that's a big part of it, right? Belief. Some people have a problem with belief because they don't know you exist. So you got to get your name out there. You got to do some things along those lines. But when you do, those beliefs, by the way, those beliefs, they come from ideas and, and feelings. So just keep that in the background for a second. Now, the stronger the belief the easier it is to change the behavior okay now like i said behavior could be changed simply by letting people know that you exist okay because they can't do anything if they don't even know that you exist so there's there's some changing of the behavior that needs to happen sometimes it's they think you're too expensive or sometimes they think maybe maybe it's a personal thing that you're dealing with on a personal brand and they have a misconception about you. So so this is these are some of the concepts of marketing changing beliefs, changing behavior. Now, those things are super important to everyone. Now, if you look at the organizations that are really just killing it, there are more marketers in those organizations. They're believers. They're selling the organization. That's, pretty, that's, a, that's a pretty scary operation when there's that many marketers. Because if you are on the other end competing against an organization full of marketers, let me just tell you something. You're going to lose because that's how powerful marketing is. And marketing goes all the way back to the beginning. Okay. It goes all the way back. I mean, we can pick out people. We're reading books about people who were good marketers. Or we're reading books about people who um, had marketers discover them. Okay. There's a second part to this equation. The second thing is innovation. Innovation is something that is so misunderstood, it's way more misunderstood than marketing. As I dropped the video yesterday of Janet Heron trying to show what an innovator looks like, she did not see herself as an innovator, but she was. You got to watch that video. Read the blog. See what she did. I talked about Play-Doh in the last Play-Doh I heard somebody thought I said play No, Play-Doh in the last episode. Now, what's so great about that Play-Doh origin story is that it showed that you don't need to have a PhD or go to Stanford or even have a college degree to be an innovator. Here's all you need. I'm going to give you the secret formula that was given to me. By Bob Sutton, one of the professors at the Stanford D School. These are the people who teach innovation. And it is simply this. Creativity plus implementation equals innovation. Yes, it is that simple. Now, creativity, it's not – some people say, well, shoot. Now, I'm not a creative person. So I guess I'm out. No. You're a super creative person. Now, you were probably told at some point in your life that you weren't. Maybe it was in an art school um, or art class. I'm sorry. Maybe it was when you're in kindergarten. And somebody said that your drawing didn't look like what, what you said it was. And then you got the message reinforced to you that you're not creative. Well, you are creative. Each one of us is creative. We are taught not to, be, to believe that we're not creative. We're taught to sort of fit in to these little buckets, especially when it comes to creativity. We have to get creativity taught out of us. Unfortunately, it happens more than not. So you got all these people, especially business leaders. I run into these guys all the time who just don't see themselves as creative. They're not innovators. They're business people. Well, I've got news for you. The greatest business people are creative. They don't accept the fact that uh, somebody told them that they aren't creative or that they um, – don't have original ideas. Well, here's, here's the good news on that one. To be innovative doesn't require creative new ideas. It, it does require some creativity, but it doesn't have to be yours. Let me give you an example. Apple computers. Steve Jobs didn't come up with most of the creative ideas that Apple ended up implementing So I'm going to give you an example. How about the mouse? How about the graphic interface for the computer that made the Mac what the Mac was, and I could go on. Now, what Steve Jobs could do, and by the way, I did write a blog on this called The Formula for Innovation. You can get it on robw.co, or you can go to my LinkedIn and check it out. But in that article, I talk about how... Apple used to fly the pirate's flag. And the reason why is because they stole ideas. Now, what they did with those ideas was pretty miraculous. They implemented them. See, people think that what you have to do is you have to come up with this new idea. And so people, when they do innovation, they just sit around in a room trying to brainstorm. My friends, that is not how innovation is done. Certainly, there is some ideation involved, but you don't necessarily need to ideate. Let me tell you about that Play-Doh. Going back to the Play-Doh story, she didn't sit around in a room full of people and ideate. She had one idea, which was, hey, this putty that my brother-in-law uses to wipe soot off. He sells this putty. This is back in the day when they had um, gas lamps and electricity had just come on board. But when they had gas lamps, they would sell this putty to clean the soot off of a wallpaper. Well, as you can imagine, when the electricity started coming into the house, that market crashed. So he has all this putty and his sister-in-law who is a kindergarten assistant, says, hey, can I take some of this? See if my kids will play with it. So she takes it home, puts some food dye in it, gives it to the kids and Play-Doh was born. Now, let that set in, my friends. She did not have to define the problem. She did not have to ideate, prototype, and do all that stuff. Now, I, I would say she did. She did do some of that, right? She did create a prototype. She was just one for one. It can happen. She stood up to the plate and she knocked it out of the park. My point being, innovation is not about a bunch of creative people getting together and brainstorming. Innovation is about creativity and creativity and then implementation. But creativity is simply taking an idea, usually an old idea, and applying it in a new context with different people or in different combinations. That's simply what Plato was. Plato already existed. It's just that it was used for another purpose, namely to take the soot off wallpaper. This genius kindergarten assistant took that, saw an opportunity and said, hey, that kind of looks like clay. Clay that doesn't dry up very easily. What if I make that different colors and give it to kids? Boom. You, my friend, probably have played with play Now, think of that invention for a second. You could do that. Now, what she did, though, is she took it a step further. She implemented it. Okay? She took it to the kids. She was brave enough to say, I'm going to drop some color in this bad boy, and I'm going to give it to these kids. I'm going to bring it to the kids and let them play with it. Who knows what the teacher thought about that? But the rest is history. Now, if you have enough people in your organization doing marketing and innovation, well, the sky is the limit for you. This is why I am arguing that these two functions need to be taught. That is the point of this podcast. That is a driver of the future state project. I'm going to be giving you more examples like this. I'm going to be talking more about marketing and innovation. Maybe two terms that have scared you a little bit or maybe turned you off some. I'm telling you, folks, you apply these two, these two uh, processes to your daily life, your world will change. So let's, let's, let's commit to doing that, okay? Stick with me on this podcast, Let's do this journey together. I'm going to share with you what I know and hopefully inspire you to take it to another level. I don't care if you're a kid or if you're a 100-year-old grandmother. Marketing and innovation is still relevant to you. If you want to create value, in your family, you're probably already doing it. You, like I said, you're probably already doing marketing and innovation. You just don't think of it that way. Well, I want you to reframe. That's an innovation principle, by the way, which we will cover in another episode. Reframe who you are. You are a marketer and innovator. Have a good week. Actually, have an awesome day because I'm going to come back at you. I've got so much to share. I'm going to come back at you and drop some more knowledge. But I want to hear back from you too. Is there something you want me to cover along these lines? Do you have questions? Do you want to challenge some of the things I've said? Please do. I love it. I love being challenged because here's the thing about being challenged. It's good because I'm not right about everything. Guess what, folks? We all have false beliefs. The problem is we don't know which beliefs are false. So we need others. And this brings me, you know, I'm going to conclude with this actually because this is super important. And that is that innovation and in design thinking is a team sport we do it together all right you have a great day